0: In his commentary on Colossians 3.12, 17, Warren Wearsby uses the analogy of changing garments to describe Paul's teachings on Christian sanctification. Wearsby notes how Paul instructs believers to shed the grave clothes of their old sinful lives and to adorn themselves with the grace clothes representative of a new life in Christ. This change in attire symbolizes the transformative journey from an old life of sin to a new life of holiness and righteousness in Jesus Christ. The crux of this section, as highlighted by Wearsby, is the underlying motives behind these actions. Paul doesn't just tell believers to change without reason, he provides compelling motivations for this transformation. Why should Christians abandon their old sinful habits and embrace virtues of the new life? Paul presents four key motives to encourage believers to walk in the newness of life. Romans 6, 4. Thus, Wearsby emphasises the importance of understanding and internalising these motives to truly live a life that reflects Christ's teachings. Also in Paul's message to the Colossians, the theme of grace, God's unmerited favour to undeserving sinners, is underscored. Three primary concepts about God's grace emerge from the verse. 1. God's choice. The term elect indicates God's selective love. He chooses not based on numbers or worth, but simply because of his love. This concept of divine election is a profound one. It is not determined by human merit or deeds. Salvation through God's grace is solely to exalt His glory. Although the idea of election remains a profound mystery meant for believers, it's not typically shared with the unsaved. We are reminded that God's knowledge about His chosen ones surpasses human understanding, and the responsibility of believers is to share the gospel. 2. Sanctification. God sanctifies or sets believers apart. The term holy means to be distinct or separate. Once one believes in Christ, they are separated from worldly influences and dedicated solely to the Lord, similar to how a marriage ceremony exclusively binds a couple. A Christian's commitment to Christ should be unwavering, just as it would be unimaginable for a groom to leave his bride for another at the end of their wedding. 3. God's endearing love. God's love for his followers is boundless. When non-believers sin, it's seen as defying the sacred laws of the Creator. However, when a Christian sins, it's akin to breaking the heart of a loving Father. Love remains the most potent force and motivator. The deeper a believer's love for God, the stronger their yearning to remain obedient and walk in Christ's new life. Moreover, Paul's message in Colossians 3.13 accentuates the importance of forgiveness, as God has granted complete and unconditional forgiveness to believers. This act of grace by God is due to the sacrifice made by Jesus Christ on the cross. We're forgiven for Christ's sake, not our own merits. Wiersbe elaborates on how believers in the light of God's love and forgiveness should embody Christian graces. He enumerates eight of these graces. 1. Tender mercies. This involves genuine compassion for others. Unlike momentary emotions, it's a consistent heart attitude making believers easier to live with. 2. Kindness. Reflecting God's kindness shown through Christ, believers should be kind to one another. A biblical illustration of such kindness is David's compassionate treatment of the crippled prince Mephibosheth. Despite Mephibosheth belonging to a condemned family, David's actions were driven by love and grace. David's kindness mirrors the kindness of God, highlighting how believers will dwell with God forever. 3. Humbleness of mind. Contrary to the pride admired in Paul's time, Christians should exhibit humility. Jesus exemplifies this trait. It's not about undervaluing oneself, but viewing oneself accurately within God's will. 4. Meekness. Meekness is controlled power. It's not about being weak, but having strength and composure, even in provoking situations. 5. Long suffering. Essentially, this means having patience or long temper. It's about maintaining composure and not reacting impulsively, even when provoked. 6. Forbearance. It implies restraint. Just as God restrains his judgment on sinners, believers too must hold back from rash judgments and actions. 7. Forgiveness. Stemming from all previous graces, Christians shouldn't only endure grievances but should forgive those causing them. Harboring grudges can lead to greater sins, while forgiveness brings one closer to God's love. In summary, Wiersbe underscores the Christian responsibility to adopt and exhibit these graces, reflecting the love and forgiveness granted by God. Furthermore, Wiersbe underscores the paramount significance of love in the Christian virtues. He describes love as a girdle, or a binding force that intertwines and holds together all other virtues. Drawing a connection with 1 Corinthians 13, Wiersbe posits that all spiritual attributes Paul has mentioned can be seen as facets of genuine Christian love. He identifies love as the primary fruit of the spirit, with other virtues like joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, and meekness following suit. When love dominates our existence, it unifies these spiritual virtues, leading to a life characterized by beauty, harmony, and spiritual maturity. This balance and growth stand in contrast to the Gnostic system, which, according to Wearsby, lacks the capability to achieve such unity and growth. In addition, in Colossians 3.15, Paul links character to conduct and introduces the concept of the peace of Christ as an indicator for a Christian doing God's will. When believers maintain this inner peace, it signals obedience to God. When this peace fades, it indicates some form of disobedience. The term rule Paul uses is an athletic one, which in context refers to overseeing games and awarding prizes. The peace of God acts like an umpire in believers' hearts and churches, confirming adherence to God's will. However, Wiersbe warns of a deceptive inner peace. The story of Jonah exemplifies this. He felt peaceful despite disobeying God. Solely feeling peace about it doesn't validate being in God's will. It's essential to combine inner peace with prayer, surrender to God and seeking His wisdom in the Scriptures. Further, if one genuinely has God's peace, it will reflect in harmonious relationships within the church community. Being out of God's will invariably brings discord. When Christians stray from God's will and lose his peace, they often seek worldly and fleshly pleasures to compensate. But these futile attempts only distance them further. Reconciliation happens only through confession, seeking forgiveness and adhering to God's will, restoring the lost inner peace. Besides, True peace in the heart manifests as genuine praise to God. The story of David further illustrates this. After sinning, he lost both his peace and his praise. Upon confession, he regained both. Additionally, Wearsby affirms the profound importance of the word of God in the life of a Christian. The passage highlights the contrast between man-made teachings, often misleading, and the undeniable truth and power of the gospel. Wiersbe points out that the Word of God, when allowed to dwell or feel at home within us, can bring about a transformative change, enriching our spiritual lives with treasures. Paul's message, however, wasn't only for individual believers, but for the collective church body. Wiersbe warns of the dangers of sidelining the Word of God in churches in favour of other entertainment, leading many believers to be unfamiliar with the scriptures. Such unfamiliarity affects the quality and authenticity of worship songs, as they become detached from biblical truth. Wiersbe laments the presence of unbiblical songs, suggesting that a lack of scriptural understanding contributes to such outcomes. Wiersbe discusses the significance of psalms, hymns and spiritual songs in worship. Psalms, originating from the Old Testament, have seen a resurgence in church services. Hymns, distinct from psalms, are songs of praise, and spiritual songs express biblical truths addressing fellow believers. Paul's teachings indicate that true worship involves singing from the heart, enabled by the Word's presence within. Wiersbe asserts that this singing should be an embodiment of God's grace, even in adverse circumstances as demonstrated by Paul and Silas's experience in the Philippian prison. In sum, Wiersbe draws a parallel between Ephesians and Colossians. While Ephesians focuses on being filled with the Spirit, Colossians highlights being filled with the Word, However, the manifestations of these fillings are consistent. Joy, thankfulness and submissiveness, which influence one's relationships both at home and in the workplace. Last but not least, Wiersbe delves into the significance of names in the ancient world. Historically, names were pivotal, often altered by God in the Old Testament based on transformative experiences. Christians, by virtue of their faith, are identified with Christ's name, denoted only thrice in the New Testament. While initially a derogatory term, Christian evolved into a mark of respect. The name embodies two facets, identification and authority. Just as a signature holds the power to transact or enact a law, invoking Jesus Christ's name grants authority, especially in prayer. Consequently, every action and utterance by believers should amplify Christ's glory, with any misalignment considered sinful. Affiliation with his name is both an honour and a responsibility, often resulting in persecution. This association evokes distinct reactions, with merely mentioning one's denomination often going unnoticed, but invoking Christ's name prompting negative responses. Upholding the family or ancestral name's honour is a lesson ingrained since childhood. The name Judas exemplifies how one's deeds can tarnish a historically revered name. Paul's letters to the Colossians repeatedly stress gratitude, a remarkable sentiment given his Roman imprisonment. The core message is the centrality of Jesus Christ in guiding moral lives. Believers are encouraged to forgive, like Christ, embrace his peace, absorb his word and find identity and authority in his name. Given our spiritual connection with Christ, we possess the means for sanctified living, driven by our experiences and appreciation of his grace, peace, word and name. Thus, the highest motivation for any Christian is to honour and glorify Christ. In conclusion, Wiersbe likens Paul's teachings on Christian sanctification to the act of changing clothes. He illustrates this by urging believers to remove the grave clothes of sin and put on grace clothes reflecting a new life in Christ. The essence of this section is Paul's emphasis on the motivations for this transformation. He highlights four principal motives urging believers to live anew. 1. God's choice, where believers are chosen by God's love, not by their worth. 2 sanctification where believers are set apart for God, 3. God's unending love which views sin by believers as a heartbreak. Also, Paul's message stresses the significance of forgiveness, given freely by God due to Christ's sacrifice. In response, believers should embody Christian graces like tenderness, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance and forgiveness. Wiersbe particularly accentuates love as the linchpin of all Christian virtues, harmonizing and strengthening them. This love-driven life contrasts sharply with the divisive Gnostic teachings. Moreover, Paul introduces the peace of Christ as a barometer of a Christian's alignment with God's will. This peace acts as an umpire in believers' hearts. However, true peace must be aligned with God's word, prayer and surrender. The word of God, according to Wearsby, is transformative when embraced by believers and the Church. The authenticity of worship songs, for instance, reflects the depth of one's understanding of the Scriptures. Lastly, Wearsby explores the weight of names in biblical times, indicating that being called a Christian involves both identification with Christ and the authority of his name. Every action by believers should magnify Christ's glory. Paul's central message to the Colossians is the pivotal role of Jesus Christ in guiding ethical lives, maintaining forgiveness, peace, the word, and identification with his name. For believers, The chief incentive is to honour and exalt Christ in all aspects of life.